Oh, good morning, church, and good morning to the rest of you. How are you doing this morning? I am, uh, uh, by the way, turn around and, and give a hand. Uh, I never do this, and so I need to do this. Back in our booth, and there are different people there at different times, but this morning Carlos is doing sound, Simeon is taking care of all the words up here on the screen, and, and Katrina is doing all the lighting. So would you give them a great hand? Man, I tell you, so much happens here because people are engaged and involved, and uh, I... Uh, I was away at a conference for, for uh, two days this week, actually three days with travel and everything, and uh, just thoroughly enjoyed our time there. Um, I heard a story that I, pr- I probably ought to share with you because I need to wake you up sometime, okay? There was, uh, uh, these uh, coaches actually had to go to a basketball tournament, and they were, they were coaching the tournament, say, and uh, they, they, they had one problem. There were four coaches, and one of the coaches snored a lot. And, and the, the reason one of the pastors told this story was because so many of, of pastoral teams were there, and, they, and this is certainly an issue. Uh, my dad, as a matter of fact, snored so bad that when he was in a hotel room, th- there were times that, that the people in the room next to his room actually got moved further down the hallway because his snoring was so loud. And so uh, I could relate to this, this story. So the three coaches, uh, four of them, one of them who snored, the other three knew about this problem. They had been on trips with this guy, and they knew that if they were having to room with this guy, and there was two rooms, four guys, so they knew if they had to room with this guy, there wasn't a chance on earth they were going to get any sleep. So they decided that the best thing they could do was to rotate who was going to sleep with him. And the first night, sure enough, the one coach slept in the same room with him, and they met downstairs for breakfast, and here he came, and he was just, he, he, he looked like he desperately needed a night's sleep because he was asleep. When he, when he came in the room, the two other coaches said to him, so how'd you do? Were you able to sleep? He said, absolutely not. He said, we got to that room, he laid down on his bed, went to sleep instantly, and snored all night long, and I could not sleep a bit. Second night, the next guy had to sleep with him. And, and the next morning, they meet down there for breakfast. And he says, well, how'd you do the same? Thing? Sure enough, yep, I didn't get any sleep at all. All night long, I just laid there just watching him snore. Just like the first guy, just laid there watching him snore. snore. No way I could go to sleep. So the third coach goes down, goes to, goes to sleep with him that night, and they're each in their bed, and they come down. They meet the next morning down, and they're having breakfast. And he is wide awake. He's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And so they said to him, what, what, what ha- were you able to sleep? He said, absolutely. I slept all night long. He said, well, when the, when the coach got in bed, I just walked over to him. I kissed him on the cheek, and then I went to bed. And he laid awake all night long just watching me. <laughs> Good advice for some of you when you go on a, on a conference and you don't get any sleep. We're talking about the 23rd Psalm. As a matter of fact, this morning I want to wrap up the 23rd Psalm for us. But there are two little caveats that I'd like to share with you. This 23rd Psalm, by the way, is written by David. 
And the whole psalm is about the goodness of God. That's what it's about. From beginning to end, the goodness of God in David's life, and David shares that as he writes the psalms for you and I. Let's read it together here. And you can read it out loud with me, okay? Because we can do this. We're adults, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. And even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then he goes on to say, you prepare a banquet for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Stop right there. We are not going to talk about that line this week. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take that line and I am working on a whole series just from that line. And we will dig into that line in a whole other way. But let's, let's pick it up here now. Surely your goodness and love, some translations say mercy, most translations say mercy, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Guys, leave that right there on the screen. Today I want to talk about surely your goodness and mercy or love. The translation is synonymous. Surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In case you're not sure about that last line, that last line is about the future. That last line is about heaven. And what I'm going to do with that last line is somewhere in the near future, I want to do a whole sermon just on heaven. And I want, to t I want us to stop and look at everything that we can know about heaven. But today, surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That is a promise that is a promise to those of us who are following Christ. And then I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ah, oh, that's heaven. And anytime you and I start to worry about the future, here's what you and I need to do. We need to open up our Bible to the 23rd Psalm or walk over to our refrigerator and read it and read the last verse. Read the sixth verse. Because verse 6, which is what we're going to look at today, verse 6, is, is, it actually answers the three most important questions that people ask. It actually addresses our top three fears in life. And what David is writing here, your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is the, that phrase, that, that line, that, that sixth verse is the antidote to the top three fears that people face in life. So if you're anxious or, or if you're worried or you're fearful about the future, you need to dig in on this message this morning. We never need to fear the future. 
because of the three things that David tells us right here. And I want to look at them with you. I need to never worry about the future. If you're taking notes, grab your notes. And your number one fill-in is because God's goodness is watching over me. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. David doesn't say, you know, there's a possibility that his goodness and mercy will follow us all the days. Or he doesn't say, your goodness and mercy will follow me some of the days that I'm alive. Or, or your goodness and mercy will, will follow me when you think it's best for me, he says, all the days of my life. Did you know that God's goodness is watching over you? Did you know that that's a reality? Do you know that so often you and I, well, we walk through life and we don't, we don't even think about that. As a matter of fact, we forget. As a matter of fact, we can be in a service like this and we can key in on a truth like that. And, and we recognize the reality of it. And, and it becomes so real to us. And then three days later, it has kind of leaked out and, and it's just not there. And we're not even thinking about it. But the truth of the matter is, God's goodness is always watching over you. And he's always watching over me. Seven and a half billion people in the world. How can he be paying attention to that many? This is the creator. We look, we look, this, this stuff leaks out of us. This is the creator who created the universe. The, the, the Bible points to the stars and calls them numberless. Scientists say that it for sure at this point that they know of, and, and it doesn't increase, they, they just keep finding out more and more. It's the stars are in the trillions. He created trillions, of, probably more than that, but we know it's in the trillions. And he created them, and he created each one of us. And he created each one of us with an individual DNA. Listen, I'm not a scientist. They take my DNA and they could pop it up on the screen. And, and they could begin to tell you what a lot of those little boxes mean. I don't know what they mean. It's a diet. I haven't got, haven't got a clue. But, but the sharpest scientists that we have can point to those th boxes in DNA and tell us what some of them mean. He knows what every single one of them mean. He knows what percentage every single one of those is in every one of our lives. There isn't a detail in us that he doesn't know. Amen. And we, we, can't, we just need to accept the fact that we're just never going to be able to wrap our brain around who God is. But he gives us glimpses in his word over and over. And, and it's bottomless. There's no, there's no landing down there. It just keeps, his word is eternal. The knowledge and the wisdom in his word is, is, is in, infinity is the best word that we can put to it. It just goes on and on. Because he is God. That's who he is. We, we have trouble multitasking. Guys do. Girls, you tell us that you can multitask well. Oh boy, Karen West and I went to a conference and 
Birmingham, Alabama this week, and it was, we just had a great time. Matter of fact, we hooked some of our staff up and, and some of the guys in our church with, with a link so they can actually watch some of it, and it, it, it just was a great time. We, we got to the Birmingham airport, and we're all sitting at the gate, and it's not a huge airport. It's just a nice, decent-sized airport, and the three of us are waiting for our flight, and all of a sudden, Wes says, I missed my flight. We looked at him like, what are you talking about? Somehow, and I won't tell you who booked the flights, because that then I would be... Uh, but somehow, Karen and I were booked on a flight from Birmingham to Dallas to Phoenix. Now, we don't know how, but somehow Wes, and Wes didn't book the flights, and I didn't book the flights, but, but I'm not going to tell you who booked the flights. But <laughs> somehow, Wes's flight went to Charlotte and then to Phoenix, and it left over an hour before ours. We just all assumed that he was on the same flight. We, we had no idea. It's interesting. I use my family often enough for illustrations. And at this conference, one of the pastors shared about the fact that he uses his family for illustrations. And I, just, I loved every minute of it. And, and, and he said, it began to create a problem because the, the ki his kids, when they would go to children's ministry and to the teen ministries, his, their friends would... would would jab at them and, 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 and razz them for whatever dad was talking about from the stage. So to kind of make this all work good, he said to them, well, listen, if I can use you in an illustration, I'll give you $5. So the kids loved this. Every time dad used them in an illustration, they got $5. The problem is they started doing things that weren't good so that they would become part of an illustration and be in this message so they could make the $5. It's, it's amazing how, how we just get there, and yet no matter where we are, surely His goodness and His mercy will follow me all the days of my life. If you're worried about life, then here's the reality, and I'm guilty of this too, then you do not know how big your God is. There's never a moment that he is not watching over you. Right now, he is watching each one of us individually. He knows what we're thinking. He knows our heart, everything about us. When you get indigestion, God knows you have indigestion. He doesn't miss any details. Psalm 145 verse 20 says, The Lord watches over all who love him. The Bible says he sends his angels to watch over us. Psalm 91.11 said God orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. I read a story here from a pastor that I know of. And he wrote this in a blog and, 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 and I, I thought it just so clearly shares. A lady came to him in his office and, and wanted counseling because she found out that she was going to have a baby that was a Down syndrome child, and she was considering aborting this child. She did not know what to do. And he began to share with her about how we are God's design. He, he thought of us long before even our parents did. And every single one of us were his plan and his purpose. And he just began to share some passages of Scripture with her. And he encouraged her, and she left the office committed to having that child. 
And he thought, you know what, I'm just going to follow up. And so he wrote her a note, kind of recapping some of the things that he had shared with her and put in there some of the passages of Scripture. And he wrote in there a short prayer for her. And then he, he, he took it, and it was just a card. It was like, it was like a postcard kind of thing. And, 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 and he mailed it. And somehow, the post office sent it to the wrong address. The wrong, he'd written it out right, but the post office sent it to the wrong address. And it came to a lady who got it. And when she got it, she recognized it wasn't for her, but she read it. And she hand-delivered it to this lady. And she said, listen, your pastor wrote, wrote this for you. And, and for some reason it came to my house, but I'm, I'm bringing it to you. And I got to tell you, she said, I have a Down syndrome child. And I, I will go through this with you. See, God sends his angel. We have no idea what he's doing beyond what you and I can see. Your goodness and your mercy follow me all the days of my life. What does that mean? Does that mean only good things are going to happen to you and me? No. No, 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 no. The good, is, the, the good things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad, th bad people. Bad things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people. That's the reality. It, we, bad things are going to happen to us. But God brings good out of even the bad for his followers and for his... Anybody can make good out of good. Anybody can do that. A dimwit can do that. Because good is good and it's going to produce good. But God specializes in taking the bad things and making good things come out of them. Romans 8, 28, he says, I mean, you know, this is in, the, in the, the Living Bible translation. You, you probably want to get a copy of this and stick it on your fridge. We know that all that, that all that happens to us is working for our good. If. Circle that word if in your notes. Because that's a big deal. If. We love God and are fitting into his plans. That means if you're going in God's direction, this verse applies in your life. If you're not, then maybe you don't have that kind of favor working in your life. See, the truth is, when you're going through bad stuff, it's hard to see any good at all in what you're going through. That's just a reality. But I got to tell you, having gone through some really bad stuff, Looking in the rearview mirror and what God did in those times of me going through bad stuff has so produced so much more in me and has so much more spiritual value than most of the good times put together. And while God is working his goodness around me, number two is God's grace is working in me. God's grace is working in me. Surely, Mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What is mercy? Mercy is grace in action. I didn't put that in your notes, but you just might want to write that on the side there. Mercy is grace in action. Isaiah 60 says, I have mercy on you through my grace. What's the difference between goodness and mercy? Goodness is when God gives me what I don't deserve. His goodness to me is he gives me what I 
don't deserve. That's his goodness. That's his grace. I don't deserve his blessings. And yet he gives me his blessings. Everything that I have is because God is a good God and a gracious God. And he gives gracious gifts to his children. That's goodness. Mercy is the opposite. God, mercy is when God doesn't give me what I do deserve. This is a fallen, broken world. We live in a sinful world, and we sin. I don't know about you, but I sin. I sin most days on, on the drive between my house and here. Now, and, the, and the, the reason is, I'm looking at what people are doing, and, and probably the things that I'm calling them in my mind are probably worse sin than the things that they're doing on the road. Because we are sinners. If God gave me everything I deserved, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't be standing here today. You wouldn't be sitting there today. Why do I need His mercy? Because it's a broken world. It's a sinful world. And, and as much as we think we do, so often we do not do the right thing. But we have a good God who has good grace and His goodness and His forgiveness is such a necessary part for us as we follow Christ. Psalm 103 says this. Let's look at it up here on the screen. I, I just thought this passage is great. I'll not forget the glorious things God does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals me. He ransoms me from hell. He surrounds me with loving kindness. He fills my life with good things. He is merciful and tender towards those who don't deserve it. That's me. I don't deserve it. Look what he goes on to say. He's slow to get angry. He never bears a grudge. He has, he has not punished us as we deserve for all of our sins. For his mercy is great as the height of the heavens. He's like a father to us, tender and sympathetic to those who revere him. Some of you still don't believe that. Some of you still don't believe that. You still think God's trying to get even with you for something you did way back when. That's not who he is. That is not who he is. Oh, it's such a big deal. We, we think of love the way we see it. And our love is so conditional. Our human love is so conditional. We will only love if. And God's love is just not like that. It, it is beyond what we can really ever imagine because we have a good God. And we can come to Him with anything, anytime, about anything. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't fully understand that, when you and I can really just begin to wrap our brain about that, if you never come to the place where you understand that God is never not good to you, 
He is never not good to you. He only does good. He, he is always merciful to us. When we, when we can really wrap our brain around that, church, we can face life so differently. We can face the future so differently. When something happens, then, then in our lives we can be at a place where we can say, oh well, I can still face the future because God is always good to me. God will always forgive me. He will always be merciful to me. And his goodness and his mercy are always following me. But some of us, I got to tell you, that's not, that's not the picture of God that has settled its way into our thought process. Number three, I never worry about the future because God's home will be my home. His home will be my home. And when I pick that Sunday and we talk about heaven, we'll really dig into that. It says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The 23rd Psalm just, just kind of builds and builds and builds as you walk through it. And the number one fear that people have is the fear of death. It's totally different for the believer. It's, it's, it's not death, it's a whole new beginning. It's a transition. It's a changing. It's a moving from here to there. Think about your dream house. I don't know what you live in right now. My house is, is, has been 10 years of project after project, and I have projects ahead of me. So think, think about your dream house. The, the moment that, that, that you go to sleep on this planet and wake up on the other side, you can't even imagine what he has prepared for you. You're thinking about granite countertops. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing because I can't stand the formica that I have and, and it's even got reminders of round burns in it because we put a pot there and we forgot that we weren't supposed to do that. And, and when we get there, and our countertops are solid gold. Dishwasher. You don't need a dishwasher. Dishes will never get dirty. We, we can't even begin to imagine what he has prepared. No more sickness, no more suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow. That's his home, and he's bringing us there. And the Bible says his home is full of his glory. It's full of his greatness. It's full of his goodness. It's full of his beauty. I'll, I'll stop there because I don't think words can capture it. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. Isaiah 63, verse 15, Isaiah is saying this, he said, Lord, look on us from heaven where you live in your holiness and glory. In Acts chapter 7, verse 55, the apostle Paul is standing on the side there, but he's not called Paul yet, he's still called Saul. And he's standing there, and, and he gives the nod, and he's watching as they're stoning Stephen, who's the first martyr of the church. 
They're throwing stones at Stephen. Stephen is getting stoned to death as they're throwing rocks at him. And the Bible describes it in Acts chapter 7. It says, he looked toward the heaven and he saw God's glory. It was so obvious that, that, that Luke, as he writes here in Acts, he penned it that way. He, Stephen saw God's glory. And I've shared with our church, my sisters and I got to see something very similar to that when my dad, who, who, who was, I don't know if he, we don't know if he was conscious or not, but he was certainly sleeping in, in a very difficult time when he was get, getting ready to leave this planet. And he instantly opened up his eyes, and the, the gaze on his face was so unbelievably powerful, it reminded me instantly of this passage of Scripture. Because I know what he began to see was God's glory. Never before in my life have I seen a face like that. The Bible says because God is good, he's merciful. And he made you and I to love us. He created us with a purpose. He has a plan for our life, and we are part of that. The writer of Romans puts it this way. God wanted to reveal his abundant glory, which was poured out on us, who are the objects of his mercy. That's us. We are the objects of his mercy, and whom he has prepared in advance to receive his glory. And one day we will do that in full. God's goodness and his mercy are following us all the days of our life, and we will spend the future with him in heaven. Though that last line resolves the three issues of fear that most people have. So between now and heaven, how do we live a fearless life? Let's fill this in quickly. In other words, what do I do on Monday morning? The reality is, if we really wrap our brain around this and, and we accept it and we allow God to, to do this in our lives, then we'll step into Monday morning with a brand new confidence. We'll step into Monday morning living, actually living fearless. And we will not be anxious about the future. So, so what do we practically do? Number one, we stay grateful and we stay generous. My natural response to God's goodness and his mercy would be to be grateful and to be generous. That's what my response ought to be. And as we do that, look at Psalm 118, verse 29. Give thanks continually to the Lord because he is so good and because his mercy will never run out. David's saying the same thing over and over again, and he's saying it in a little bit of a different way. Give thanks continuously to the Lord. See, continuous goodness and mercy deserves continuous thanks. That's what it deserves. He's continually good and merciful. And so our response is to continually be great. In other words, take your life and develop an attitude of gratitude. Begin to live with the heart of gratitude. And you say, well, I don't know if I can do that. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, this is actually very doable. Because the very thing that God wants to do in our lives is to help us live this out. 
And studies tell us, if you'll do this, see, gratitude is the healthiest human emotion. And if we will be grateful, statistics tell us we will live longer, we will be the happiest, we will be the healthier, and we will be more successful. He's handing us knowledge and wisdom. And you cannot be grateful and fearful at the same time. It is just not even possible. So if we're grateful, we're not going to be worried. If you're fearful and you're having panic attacks, look what, look what the writer of Hebrews says. We have been given possession of an unshakable kingdom. In other words, what God has given to us cannot be shaken, cannot be torn apart, cannot be taken away from us. An unshakable kingdom. Let us therefore, in other words, in view of the fact that he has given us this unshakable kingdom, our only natural response is to be grateful, he says. And use gratitude, use our gratitude to worship God in the way that pleases him with reverence and awe. Gratefulness. Our second response ought to be generosity. Look at this next passage of Scripture here in Psalm 112. Good will come to him who is generous. And we're not just talking about money here. Good will come to him who is generous. Such people lend freely. They conduct their affairs with honesty. They will never be shaken. They don't fear bad news because they trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless. Underline those two words. They are confident and they are fearless in facing their opposition because they give generously to those in need. They will have influence and they will have honor. Do you want influence and do you want honor? Then be generous with your time. Be generous with your wisdom. Be generous with your finances. Be generous, he says. And to live a full and fearless life, number two, we need to love others the way God has loved me. Love others the way God has loved me. 1 John chapter 4. Look what he says. He says, Those, there's no fear in love. There is, the two can't inhabit the same dwelling. There's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. God never, for his children, gives punishment. He gives correction. And correction has to do with the future. Punishment has to do with the past. Fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not matured in love. And in other words, you, you're, you're not really grasping, God says, what I mean about love. Because when you invite God's love in the front door, fear goes out the back door. When you open your life up to God's love, fear has to leave. Do you know why? Because fear is focused on you. Love is focused on God. That's his nature. That's who he is. Some of us have a warped view of God. To live 
full and a fearless life. Number three, I live my life for God's glory. And the reality is someday in the future in heaven, we are going to share in his glory. Jesus said in Matthew 5, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Look at 2 Peter, his divine power. God has given us everything we need, everything we need, not some of the things we need, everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by the means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Here's that word glory again. See, the 23rd Psalm, surely his goodness and his mercy will follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell with him forever. You see, you have a choice about your future. You have a choice about what's going to happen in your future. You don't have a choice about the things that are going to happen to you in your future, but you and I have a choice of how we are going to respond to the things that happen to us in our future. Knowing His goodness and His mercy are going to follow us all the days of our lives. And our natural response is to face the future with gratefulness, and with generosity for the glory of God, which will make you happier, which will make you more successful, and frankly, will bring a smile to the face of God himself. His goodness and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life. I just want to wrap this series up and, and simply challenge us. Church, the creator of the universe sent his son to die for us and we live in the benefit of that. Most of us here are believers. Probably all of us. Many of us have been following Christ for a long time. And we live knowing that his goodness and his mercy is following our lives. And that someday we're going to walk out of this planet and the older you get, some of us here in the room are getting older. This, is, this, this crowd's a little different than the second service. The percentages are a little different. And some of us have been following Christ a long time. And we know deep inside that His goodness and His mercy is following our lives. Sometimes it leaks out, I get it, but we come back and we're here most Sundays and most of us are in life groups and, and we're serving. Church, there are people in our lives, some of our family members, some of our friends, some of them live near us, that this coming weekend, like no other week of the year, you and I have the opportunity to say, hey, would you come with me to church? 
I'm not telling you this because I want our Easter number to be high. It's going to be high. We don't have to do anything and it's going to be high. I'm telling you this because we live with the benefit of what Christ has done in our lives and what we know He's going to do in faithfulness in our lives. But I think somehow, sometimes we just need to be shoved so that we're willing to step into an uncomfortable zone of inviting our friends and our family to church. Do you know why? So they can be a part of this family. So that they too can know deep down inside and God will take them to a place where they know that His goodness and His mercy is following them all the days of their life and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Could I check? This is the first service. I, I know us. We, we tend to not do this. And I'm with you. Last week I invited the girls at Starbucks who I see every morning and I know their names and they know my, I walk in the door, they write my name on a cup and they slip it in line and they start making my coffee before I even get up to the thing. But I intentionally invited them to sisterhood and invited them to church. Let's, let's step. Let's step into that discomfort zone. So many of us who are so comfortable where we are, let's step out of that box. Stand with me. Let me pray with you this morning. <laughs> Father, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that your goodness and your mercy is camped out right around us, and it just follows us. Thank you for Romans 8, 28, knowing that you take even the bad and make it something good. And Lord, as we as your church family leave here this morning, God, may we leave with a clear understanding. Some of us already know who we're going to talk to. Give us the strength, courage, and the willingness to invite them so they too would have you following them with their goodness and their mercy. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen.